0: This is Glenn Hughes, the voice of rock, and you're listening to Music Mania. You're ready for some screaming heavy metal? We rock! But the evil that men do... On. We're gonna bang your...
1: You are now listening to the Music Mania Podcast, brought to you by CD Warehouse in Gladstone, the number one hard rock podcast in the Midwest, featuring hard-hitting interviews with rock's living legends. And now, here's your host, Clint Schweitzer. Oh, hey, how you doing? Hey, doing great. How have you been, my friend? It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while, yeah. Well, you've been busy in the... in the. I think it's been about uh, two years since we had you on, man. You've been busy, I guess, right off the bat. Everybody's talking about this yeah. new album for Frontiers. I know you're excited about it. Just kind of talk about it. What can fans expect? What's kind of the timeline on this? Everybody's super excited about this album, Kane. Well, yeah, no, uh, I know. It's.
0: I think it's going to get released this year, I'm pretty sure. We're just waiting now for the... Uh, the final mixes to get wrapped up, you know, I, I, where we've been recording obviously for almost two years. And I was really lucky because, you know, I had access to a, a full on studio. I didn't want to record it, um, at my, uh, at my house. You know, I, I don't play my, or sing my best when I'm, you know, in my underpants, if you know what I mean. So I've been going to this like really great studio. I got a great engineer, co-producer. We're doing it together. And, um, yeah, it's been it's been pretty amazing, and you know I, I have some some sort of some surprises of certain people that are on the record and everything that have just been kind of incredible. But you know some of it I got to kind of keep uh, under my belt. Alice is on it. Alice sang a duet with me, which he very rarely does. He usually makes like a little cameo appearance, but he and I actually like uh, took on a a uh, song together. It's
1: pretty good. That is awesome. Cannot wait for that. That's something I hadn't heard yet, so we're going to consider that breaking news right here on the Music Mania podcast. Kane, what talk about just kind of the rest of, of this and kind of what the process has been. I mean, I know that uh, you are, a lot of people may not realize, they should, from your uh, first two solo albums, uh, 87 and 91. Um, you're tremendous vocalist and i don't know that if people are, are aware of that or not but my goodness uh talk about kind of the what you're getting out of this both vocally and uh and guitar wise and kind of how you're how you've been tracking this thing and uh you know just using other musicians and stuff i know you can't talk a lot about who you've been using but you personally how you've been doing it vocally and uh, and laying down this guitar work how's that been going
0: well, I had to really, um, you know, focus uh, on both. I mean, I never stopped playing guitar, and so I've been—I, you know—that's something that, that I do on a daily basis. But um, the demands in the studio are very specific. It's different from from being from singing live. You know, the, the, the live experience is, is almost entirely different because you're getting a lot of energy from the audience as well. Um, you have sort of the physical uh, advantages and limitations that come with with a live performance there's a lot of energy coming from the band and all that stuff so when you're when you're in the studio um, you have to kind of uh, you have to kind of, you know, generate the right feel, and you don't want the record to sound like you're, you know, sitting in some kind of a laboratory, sort of, you know, without any emotion or feeling or any moments where there's, you know, great moments of inspiration and all that stuff. So the only way that you get there is if you really, really practice for, for that. So I spent hours woodshedding on the guitar. I went back to my uh, vocal coach that I used during um, the Geffen record, uh, Saints and Sinners. And I just I waited until my voice felt like I could do I could do whatever is in my head what, what I'm hearing and and uh, as time went on you know we would sing something and it would be great all that song's done and then a couple of months later we'd listen to it and my singing had progressed so much that we would go back in and resing it this is one of the reasons why it took it took you know as long as it did because uh, I was lucky enough to have a uh, co producer engineer that. Understood the process of reassessing the performance and maybe some of the structural things and the arrangements of the songs. So, um, so yeah, I've been hitting it really hard. I'm really pleased with the new approach that we have. Uh, my range in singing is still, you know, surprisingly, it's it's what it's what it had always been. So, uh, you know, we'll have to wait and see. The music will sound different because it's not an entirely, it's not the same cane. In other words, I didn't make any proactive attempt to make the record uh, heavy metal or industrial or this style or that style. It's just it's just me as an artist who's progressed. But um, yeah, we're, we're really happy about it. Oh, and, and another thing, in terms of the guitar, I think one of the big problems with any type of music if, is if you make an assumption of what the song has to do. In other words, as a writer, oh, it's got to be a verse, bridge, chorus, verse, bridge, chorus, and then a guitar solo. In my mind, I think... That almost that's a that's a fail. So if there are guitar solos on the songs, we did it as an approach in where where it was an essential moment in the song. We almost treated it in a cinematic way. So it may depart entirely from what the song sounded like up to that moment, and then it goes back to the song. Or there's no guitar solo. There's an intro. Maybe there's something at the end, but um, you'll see. In other words. Any of the sort of norms that happen in the type of music that we're doing, um, we we didn't we wouldn't uh, obey those rules unless it really applied somehow to the success of the song, if that makes sense.
1: Absolutely, and talk about how important that uh, your partnership with uh, Frontiers Records is because it's a label that has gotten a lot of praise from you know a lot of bands uh, you know from from the '80s from your era are releasing really good. Music on this label, and they're they're really getting doing a good job putting this out there. How important is this partnership with Frontiers?
0: Well, it, it's actually uh, it, it, it was a it was a, um, a growing process. I mean, one of the reasons I'm on the label is uh, is Kip Winger, because Kip is very close to those guys, and he knew what I was doing. They weren't entirely, uh, uh, on board. And I did send him one song and I know that, uh, Serafino is standard. A, same with Mario, both those guys. Um, actually all the guys that worked there that I've met, I mean, I had no idea what they were like before I talked to them, but they have this very high standard of, of the stuff that they're going to accept and, and, um, and how they're going to go about, uh, marketing and producing it and, and really what they, what they want in terms of a relationship with an artist. So, I, you know, I'm not the easiest guy to get along with in that regard, especially when it comes to sort of the corporate aspect of it. But these guys, I found out, the only reason why they exist is because they have a really true passion for, let's just say in a broad sense, just for music. Because my record doesn't sound 100% 80s, it doesn't sound 100% this or that, it just it sounds like me, and when they started to hear it and they started responding, you know, so positively, I thought it was a great moment and actually kind of a, a legitimate moment because, you know, they don't BS. They're, they're real guys if, if you know what I mean. So, um, so yeah, so the, that relationship into, and then they started giving me the freedom of doing pretty much whatever I wanted to do. And, and even with the artwork uh, on the cover and, and the way the mixes are coming out. So, um, it's it was let's say it was kind of an initiation of fire with those guys because they they weren't they weren't that because i have been out of the mix for so many years they didn't have a lot of uh, uh, information as to what was going to happen and i just could i just felt like you know i'm going to give it to them either the hammer's going to come down or they're going to love it and so far they've, they've they've loved what i've been doing so i i feel really fortunate in that regard i'm lucky uh, to have met those guys and i'm very grateful to kip uh, for, you know, jamming me in
1: there. Yes, Kip, of course, was a part of that uh, constrictor air lineup as well. And you talk about reconnecting with Alice. Is it just unbelievable that, that Alice has just, in the last few months, turned 70 years old? It just blows my mind. Uh, the guy's amazing, and I, and I know you, you know him well. And just to be 70 years old and doing what he's doing and still on top of his game is just, it's there's not enough respect in the world for a guy like that.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. Everybody said, I said, geez, Alice would be perfect on this one other song. And um, actually, um, there is a uh, another artist. There's two other artists on that song that are just stunning. And, and uh, but I, I just said, you know, I wonder wonder what Alice would be. And somebody said, well, you're never going to get Alice. I mean, first of all, you know, he's really busy. But, you know, I, I said, no, dude, I'll, I'll just call him. So I called him on the phone. Hey, we're in the studio, by the way. It's it's might be seven p.m. and he picks up, and I said, "Hey, Alice." He goes, "Yeah," and he, I said, "Hey, would you sing on my record?" And he goes, "Where are you?" And I said, "Studio City." He goes, "Yeah, I'm in town. I'll be right over." <laughs> so it was that. It was that quick. Wow. And that easy. And then he came in. He goes, "All right, what do you want me to do?" It was him and Cheryl, and you know, both of those people are just extremely important to me. And it was just, uh, you know, he, you know, when you hear it. You know, I think it's some of the best Alice ever, but, you know, every time I hear Alice, I think it's some of the best Alice ever. So, you know, um, he's at the top of his game. I, I'm, I'm, you know, he, he keeps sort of morphing into these new versions of himself, but his standard and his performances, they, it just keeps getting better and better. I, I'm really, really lucky to have him on the record. And then when you hear the other artists that come in, you're going to, you know, it's going to blow, blow your mind. It's very intense.
1: Well, I kind of want to get into that because you talk about uh, Alice becoming different versions of himself. I mean, the version of himself that included you was such a departure and such a different thing, especially coming off of albums like Zipper Catch a Skin, Dada, and Special Forces. And all of a sudden, enter Kane Roberts, enter this new look, enter this new sound. You became musical director of this version of Alice Cooper with Kip Winger on bass. Talk about just the formation of... Uh, of what that was going to be because Alice was returning after kind of recovering from alcoholism. Talk about what your role was in putting this together and making this new sound for Alice and what was, you know, obviously popular at the time and, and call it 80s hair metal, call it whatever you want. Talk about that process and how kind of the Constrictor album came to be.
0: Well, when, when, uh, when I went down to meet him, we became instant friends. So that, that was a big plus. And also the fact that you know he's coming out of rehab so you know a lot of the guys that he might end up working with and writing with you know they might they might dabble in, in, in drugs or drinking or whatever I you know I, I didn't do any of that. So that was a, that was a, another thing that they felt was kind of safe harbor for him to work with and of course they, they did they liked my music you know Bob Ezrin and Shep and, and all those guys Alice had come to see me at a club and, and he, you know, he didn't tell me, but, you know, he, he saw what I was doing. So uh, when they, when I went down to meet him, uh, you know, we, we just hit it off. And that day, we started working on music. And I went down to Manhattan, and then we drove upstate New York to some place and started working together. And, um, you know, the the whole mystique that comes with Alice, it, it's very interesting. I mean, a lot of guys that have a past and, and one that's huge, like Alice's, you know, you kind of think of their legacy. Alice has a lot of stuff that he brings to the party. And, and I just thought to myself, um, rather than Alice sounding like, yeah, he recovered uh, a rehab and he's back. I wanted to make it like he came out of there a, a nuclear version of, of what he was uh, before. So I just thought there was nothing but a tremendous sense of power from him. And that's what we decided to do uh, with his new sound. And, and, you know, like as the guys came in and auditioned for it, um, actually we were recording, uh, the constrictor record. And that's when I met, um, uh, uh, Kip and I thought he would be perfect. And, and that's why I asked him to tour with us, uh, Ken Mary on drums. When he walked in, you know, right away, I knew he had, he had the job, all those people, Paul Taylor, uh, Devlin seven, you know, all those guys that came in, I just knew that, that I was building a team that could pretty much do anything that Alice and I came up with. So the entire concept of what I did with Alice can be heard in the first, you know, 20 seconds of, of the Welcome to My uh, the, the Nightmare Returns uh, uh, DVD where it sounds like the original record. And, you know, if you watch the DVD, the smoke comes up and the keyboard strains start and it sounds like welcome to my nightmare. But when the band comes in and Alice kicks open that gate, it's just just so it's like so heavy. And, and Alice, you know, the interesting thing was Alice had never been, you know, in front of a band that sounded that sort of monstrously heavy. And man, did he handle it! I mean, he was way past us in terms of intensity and everything that he pulled off. So it turned out to be, you know, kind of a, a marriage that uh, that worked out really well. Well, so, you know, we're now we're separated, but we're not divorced.
1: Right? No, yeah. Okay. <laughs> hey, sometimes that's, that's the best way to have a relationship. You know, I mean, keep, keep, sometimes that keep, makes you helps you be better friends, in the, in the long run. But uh, you know, and, and const- it's you know, it's funny because I talked about this a lot, Constrictor. Is in my top five favorite Alice Cooper albums. It's more like one or two, and I and I say that with absolute uh, you know conviction because that's when I came into it. You know, I'm only 34, so I came into this watching Friday the 13th Part Six, and I had to know who this who this artist was who that was singing. You know, Teenage Frankenstein, Man Behind the Mask, and Hard Rock Summer. Yeah. Hard Rock Summer, Kane. I've always had had this question burning in my mind. Hard Rock Summer appears on the movie, but not. On the Constrictor album, was there was there a reason why that was left off? It wound up being re-released on a on the Alice Cooper box set, but not on Constrictor. Why was Hard Rock Summer left off of that?
0: Well, we we um the the I guess Friday the Thirteenth I forget five or something. They wanted music, so uh, and and so our first sort of jumpstart on that was we just wrote that song really quick yeah and and i i I just love the melodic sensibility some of the guitar parts are sweet i mean some of the recording quality on some of that stuff you know is a little you know different than what alice and i had shot for we got a little closer on on raise your fist and yell but i think um i think that song that that is one of our, our favorites and i remember you know just so you know Uh, We were at Shep Gordon's house in Beverly Hills up in the hills, uh, sitting next to this kind of gigantic pool in the summer. And we wrote Hard Rock Summer in the USA there, just so people can get a visual (laughs) of what was going on. I mean, Alice was sitting there. I figured it was people were bringing out food to us and everything. And he'd go, hey, how about I'm a rock and roll vagabond? I'm a speed (laughs) rock. That's good. And we'd write that down, you know. So it wasn't like, you know, Two guys in some garage or on the street somewhere writing a song. We were actually uh, in a very luxurious setting during writing that tune.
1: Well, I'd like I me mean, you should have covered that on the on your new solo album. I would like to have heard your vocals on that. that, that would have been awesome. You should have dusted that one off. (laughs) But uh, raise your fist and yell. Um, Was that seen as a disappointment for you only because there was really only one single release, which is Freedom. I think it's an amazing album. Uh, Roses on White Lace is one of my favorite Alice Cooper songs of all time. And uh, there hasn't been a song performed off of that album since then. Uh, Why is that kind of a forgotten Alice album, even though in a lot of ways it, it is better than Constrictor?
0: Well I I talked to you know Alice about it and you know it's such that song is in such a specific kind of pocket I mean I know that they're doing I think they're doing Teenage Frankenstein or World Needs Guts I think the band is playing World Needs Guts or they did the last tour um, and you know my friend Nita is a is a big fan of that album and I think she was trying to get him to do Roses um, but I think I think it's the songs kind of you know I don't know whether in the flow of the live show or whatever they don't they don't quite fit, but I mean you know if you ask Alice about it he he loves those songs. It's just the song was that that album at the time was considered you know kind of dark because of the song Gale. I mean it was this whole serial killer kind of uh, trilogy in the middle of it that that we purposely did, and that tour was actually banned for a while in England. They. In Germany, we had to edit the show. We couldn't have any uh, sort of blood and violence on it and everything. So, um, I don't know. I mean, I certainly, you know, wanted the record to do better in terms of uh, commercial success. But Alice and I basically wrote uh, Freedom as maybe the most accessible of all the songs. And then, you know, the rest of them were kind of just sort of really like, you know, a heavyweight uh, boxing match kind of uh, heavy metal that, that we put together. So, uh, you know, we, we didn't write it with any other intent other than doing what it is that we wanted to do. So that's that's kind of, if you listen to that record and there's something that you like, you don't like, you just you just know that Alice and I wanted to do that. That, that was our choice. And we were, you know, we were fully into it.
1: Talk about the challenge of playing... Kind of the classic Alice Cooper band songs live at the time because you will hear complaints, you'll hear uh, criticisms, criticisms if you will today about you know fans that are that are you know kind of rooted in the you know pretties for you, schools out, killer uh, that that did not maybe appreciate the way those songs were played because it was more fastened up tempo. You talked about the thick heavy sound of what you guys were. Was that kind of yeah. a conscious effort? What What, what is your take, uh, kind of on that, and, and kind of how? Else? Well, no, we changed it. We changed it on
0: purpose. Yeah, we of course looked at the, the sacred territory of the, that original band and how that stuff was done. And i don't know those people. I, I just think that there's such magic on those original recordings. And to me, there's no greater moment than uh, uh, Public Animal Number Nine. I mean, that song. I, I can't. That song still blows my mind. So I had no problem changing the sound because for me, for us to imitate the sound, I didn't want Alice to come back as an Alice Cooper cover band with these like five guys playing with them. You, you know what I mean? It just seemed like a useless endeavor. So we wanted to come back and, and I, like I said, we wanted to prove that Alice would come back and can compete, uh, with any of the heaviest bands out there. And it was just, you know, that, that whole, uh, that guitar part, for example, in Welcome to My Nightmare, that and was, Welcome to My Nightmare, you know, it just, it just had a very modern feel to it. Um, we wanted to still kind of maintain the classic essence while kind of raping it at the same time and hitting it really heavy. Um, I, I think we succeeded in that, and I think we knew full well that there were going to be some people that were kind of... Uh, They wanted to hear the song kind of played like it was, uh, you know, uh, many years ago. But um, that wasn't our intent on that tour. We needed to launch Alice and sort of like break through the glass ceiling and get him into like the next phase of his career, which I think he's done really well.
1: Well, in the next phase, uh, you were also a part of which you came in and and co-wrote some songs on Trash, even though you were no longer in in the live band. Kind of talk about your your departure yeah. from Alice Cooper and then coming back in to, to write some of these songs because Trash was probably the most commercial. It was the most commercial successful of the of the eighties Alice quote unquote uh, albums. With uh you know obviously songs like Poison was was huge, but my uh, Bed of Nails amazing. Only my heart talking underrated ballad. You came back in for that. Kind of talk about the process of leaving uh, leaving Alice and then coming back in to write these songs. Well, I
0: actually I didn't write with them. I, I played on that record. Oh, but, that's right. But I um. Yeah, but I, um, when, what happened was I got the Geffen record deal, and so I found out, you know, I was going to be working with Desmond and all that stuff. I, Alice is the type of, uh, was, 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 and my relationship with Alice was such that I wanted to give, if I was with Alice Cooper, I wanted to give it uh, 100%. If I started doing my own record, Alice would be a job. And I just didn't, it, it, that just, you could just sense, like, with the both of us, that didn't feel right, because he meant way more than that to me. And, and you know, I think our relationship was such that um, everything we did was 100%, you know, for the Alice thing and, you know, for each other or whatever. It was it was that sort of a relationship musically. So, you know, it came time for us to leave, and, and you know, Alice... He always tells the story, but he was staying at my house in, in Woodland Hills, California. And, um, you know, we had decided to, you know, part ways, you know, musically and stuff like that. And he had been there for quite a while. And so he, uh, I was asleep and he knocks on my door and I, I said, yeah, and he opens the door and he's there with two bags and he went, I'm leaving you. <laughs> it was like you made it like a divorce scene in a movie or something like that, so we were cracking up but uh, but he left and and so you know, we've done some stuff together, and him coming in and singing on this was one of the most natural things and whenever I talked to him on the phone, you know uh, I, I got him uh, to do a rock and roll fantasy camp to come out and be like the the main attraction, and I went there and he you know he wanted me to hang out with him the whole time, so I went to the hotel. And when we were driving towards the camp to for you know, for him to do the walkthrough, he and I had to pull the limo over because we were laughing so hard about some of the silly stuff that happened to us when we were on tour and everything. So we're still great friends. and you know, my respect for him as an artist uh, only goes up. So
1: well, yeah. you know, and it's just you know, you talk about how in the in the in the intermediate time, I mean, since then, you did, of course, Saints and Sinners. You did um, some albums under the under the name Phoenix Down, and you did an album in yeah. 2012. Talk about just kind of where, what you know, musically, where you were during those years, because you know you you weren't out there uh, a whole lot. It's um, kind of talk about where you were and why why now, as far as really coming back with uh, with this big solo effort. Well,
0: I, you know, the the other efforts, I was I've been doing other stuff, you know, to. To, um, you know, when, when the music industry changed, which is, it's, it's inevitable. I mean, any industry, be it technology or cultural trends, everything changes. You can't, you can't assume that, that your life is going to remain the same throughout. So, you know, when when uh, music styles changed, some of my friends, you know, they, they kept fighting through it. Some guys, you know, got tattoos and wore shorts and shaved their heads and stuff. It just, it just... It just wasn't right. It didn't, it didn't look good visually or whatever, and I decided not to do that. So I went off and, and pursued other efforts. But at the whole time, I was still you know playing music. You can't. I mean, listen. If, even if I stopped playing, I played so much that my musicianship would keep evolving. Maybe not technically in terms of my ability with my my hands. But in terms of, you know, a musician's soul, once you have it it, it, it changes with, you know, however you change internally in your life. So, you know, I had different moments where I felt, you know, I, I know that uh, Bruce Lee is a guy that, um, he had a record company called Now and Then, so I did the Phoenix Down record just because I liked him. And, you know, the music industry itself is one of those things like, you either want to be in it or you don't want to be in it. I, I kind of felt, you know, I wasn't so much into it. And then, you know, as far as like playing live and doing all that stuff, I think, You know, to a certain extent, a lot of these bands. I, you know, I get it. Like the people like to go see them today, almost like a blast from the past. These guys were soundtracks to their lives in the '80s, growing up in high school or whatever it is. But you know, that's sort of an environment on stage doesn't necessarily appeal to me. You know, I, I think one of the reasons I got in to Iraq was because of, uh, you know, the sort of rebellious nature of it. It sort of flies in the face of, uh, of, of the norms in society. I mean, you know, a young band of angry young men, you know, they're pissed off because they're fighting against the man, but then you get guys that are, you know, 50 and older and they're angry because their backs hurt, you know, (laughs) it's, it's like a... It's like a different thing. So, so I, I, you know, I, what I waited for was for me to feel legitimately like I had something to say and my skills were in a place that I thought I could really deliver it. So when you hear the record, you'll be able to judge. But, um, but you know, when, when the frontiers, when I started talking to Kip about it and he heard one of the songs I had recorded just, just for myself, he said, dude, you should make a record. So he contacted the guys at frontiers and, you know, here I am, you know. Here I am now with this record about to come out.
1: Well, I guess I need to ask: Do you have Do you have a title for this thing yet? And what are the cha- what are the uh, prospects of maybe some live dates playing live on this after it's released?
0: Well, the, the title of the album is "The New Normal." Is the name of the record, and uh, the cover is I won't describe the cover yet, but but the cover is pretty uh, pretty hardcore. And and you know, as, as far as supporting with live shows, I mean, I have nothing planned right now. If I feel like. I'm going to get on stage and it's going to really, you know, I'm going to really deliver something to the same level as to what the record is. Then, then I will do it. Um, but you know, uh, <laughs> I guess I can't say all this, but I got some friends, you know, that talked to me about it we just started joking about, you know, the monsters of rock cruise and all that stuff, you know? So, but I, I don't think, I don't think I'm going to, you know, I, I, right now I don't have anything planned in terms of a live show. If a festival came up, and I really feel I had a band that could really deliver something special, then yeah, any other scenario than that, I'm not going to sort of do a slow crawl and try to, you know, come back into it uh, without doing something sort of exceptional, if that makes any sense.
1: It, it absolutely does, but I tell you what, Kane, you're, you're one of those players that, you're, that you have to be experienced live. I mean, look back into the 80s with the, the machine gun guitar. You could you could bring that back out. You're still in amazing shape. You look great. You're as ripped as you were in the 80s. For one, how the hell do you do that?
0: Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I still go to the gym. And, you know, I, I talked to that guy, Rick Johnson, the guy that made that gun guitar, and... You know, when we shoot the video for this song, for one of the for the first song, you know, I said, "Do you still have it?" He goes, "Yeah." And I said, "You know, I might, I might want to pull one of those out just as an homage, or at least have it in the background somewhere." And He said, "Dude, I'll deliver it to the studio, uh, to the video shoot if you want." I just thought it was pretty, pretty funny the gun guitar, but yeah, I mean, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, like I said, I, it's got to be something I'm fully like I'm going to enjoy. And it's going to be good and people are going to walk away with something special anything lower than that you know i did think of it as a matter of just you know a standard in terms of visually and sonically and everything else and energy wise if if, if it's going to be you know great then yeah if it's not then the answer is no.
1: no totally understandable there and i mean you know talk about this because how important is your image to you because Obviously, you know, no one had really ever seen anything like you in the 80s. I mean, literally, you know, you looked like Rambo on stage. And it was just this huge, such a part of the Alice Cooper experience and the show. And you're just this buff, ripped guy. And you just look, you know, with the guitar. And now, here you are... um, many years later and you still look so good i mean it's it's really unbelievable that to maintain that level is 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 image something that's important to you is it just kind of separate it's just a a health and a lifestyle thing for you you've always been kind of into the into the bodybuilding
0: well i've always uh i've always been involved uh I, i i you know since i started lifting i i I stopped for a while and then I did it again and you know, I just seem to respond well to it. I don't love going to the gym. I mean, I, to be honest with you, I don't talk any to anybody I actually wear sunglasses in the gym. Well, I'm sure people are looking at me going, what, what a fucking jerk. <laughs> but I, I, I just don't, I don't want to talk to anybody. Now, I'm not saying that I'm mobbed or whatever. I'm talking about even just, you know, casual conversation because I just want to go in and kind of lift the weights and get out of there under an hour. So I moved pretty fast through it. Um, and, you know, for some reason, my body responds well to it. You know, a long time ago, I did, I did, you know, dabble in steroids and all that stuff. And I'm not doing any of that now. But I still, because, you know, I've gotten so big, um, you know, I think at one point I was 230 pounds, you know. So now I'm like, I'm, I'm around 190, maybe like pushing towards 200. And that's about it. So I'm just going to stay right there. And, you know, I, I, I don't know. It, you know, it's really funny because one of the reasons they liked me, one of the reasons Alice Cooper and everybody liked me, is because I went against the grain. And you know, that's Alice's entire sure. lexicon. Like everything he does flies in the face of what people thought was normal. And you know, so so you know, most of the guitar players, you know, kind of got glam look and everything, which is totally cool. I'm a fan of that too. I, I don't judge any of that. But but I just didn't look like anybody, and I think that. That appealed to you know Chef Gordon and 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 Ezra and then Alice just in terms of you know shaking up uh, the the apple cart a little bit. So
1: oh, I'll well, I, I tell you this: I absolutely adore the current version of the Alice Cooper band. We've had Nita on this show, we've had Ryan Roxy on the show, Tommy Henriksen, but Kane. There's three of them. I mean, you, you handled these duties on your own. What, uh, what kind of uh, – is, is there an added benefit to have, have three players? I mean, obviously you can do a lot more in a live setting with, with three players and you can layer parts and things like that. But you handled all this on your own. What's the difference? I mean, what if you would have had two more people out there it would have definitely changed things? What do you think of uh, Alice having the, having the three players now?
0: Well, you know, I did have – the Devlin Seven was, was actually in it. He was, he was doing kind of the yeoman's work. So he was there mostly for sort of the classical sound stuff. Um, that, you know, I mean, I could have done it, but I mean, I would have had to, uh, you know, switch, you know, the, the, my head, I have these massive setups with my foot pedals and everything. And I, and I could have done it, but, but, but Devlin 7, that guy is just so, he's such a great guitar player that, that I just wanted somebody else creating those colors while I was playing. Now with, with Alice's new band, I mean, it seems like, you know, most, most of them, uh, all three of them are kind of balls out. They're really good players. Nita, in my my estimation, is just fantastic. She played on my record. And, and I I said, you know, I was talking to the producer, and he said, you ought to trade back and forth. You know, like, go at it, like, you know, against another guitar player. And I said, you know, the only person I want to do that with right now is, is Nita. Nita, so, you know, we got her in it and we just sort of tore it up. And her, you know, when you hear it, you'll just be amazed. Her guitar playing, all of her, her choices and everything are just, Really high standard. I had to really be on my toes playing with her. So, um, so you know, as far as I'm concerned, you know, she's got all the plates spinning. She could do what I did with it without any problem. Well, so um, yeah. Yeah, and the other guys are good. I'm just not that acquainted with your playing as much. But, but Nita's like, you know, to me, is, is is
1: fantastic. Well, Nita's a huge fan of yours. She mentioned so on this show uh, about a year ago. So she's a, she's a huge fan of your playing. Obviously, like you said, she's a big fan of those those records. So that's pretty cool. I mean, I talk about Alice going against the grain. It kind of started with Orianti, too, and then he brings in Nita and really adds another element just, again, you know, a female, a hot, female up there shredding is a, is a whole other element in his band and it, and it works it always works yeah i mean look if you're gonna see some guy
0: and he makes a face and throws his head back and pulls a note and then you're gonna see nita strauss doing it you know what would you rather look at You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so um but you know and by the way oriente is really a really really great a really sweet person very very nice both of them uh, both both of them really possess, uh, you know, g- good souls, too, as well, just if people are, are wondering what they're like. They're both really um, extremely talented and, and just, you know, nice people, you know, like really good people. So, uh, you know, bright and, and all that stuff. They got all those plates spinning.
1: Well, Kane, I tell you what—we uh, have already kept you longer than I had anticipated, and I'm just so thankful for for the time. You could have been in and out of the gym almost by by this time, but uh, hopefully, you can still fit that in today, my friend. You know what? We're looking so forward to this album, and you know, I'm just such a fan of yours, such a fan of of the solo um, efforts and and the uh, work with Alice Cooper. It's always a pleasure, Kane. We let's not wait two years to do this though again, man. We can't we can't let that happen. Yeah, no. When the record comes out, you
0: know, I'd love to come on and play some of the record if you want to do that. But dude, it's always a pleasure talking to you. You're one of the real guys, and and uh, the questions you ask, and the and the way the, the interviews and uh, the podcast go and everything, it uh, just really uh, kicks ass. So yes, you know, always happy. Just always just give me a buzz.
1: Hey, that means so much to us, Kane. I mean, you're you're one of the artists that honestly got, got helped get this podcast off the ground a few years ago, and since then it's just been it's just been amazing the the people we've been able to to have on and meet and speak with. And you're always going to be one of our favorites. We uh, definitely will play some of that album. Can't wait to get a little taste of that. Uh, as I'm sure there'll be a, a video. Frontiers loves to release uh, videos, kind of leading up to the release. So I'm sure that'll be the case here. We can't wait. You talked about a video. We cannot wait to see that, man. All right, dude. Kane, take her easy. Have a good weekend. We'll talk soon, my friend. All right.
0: Talk to you soon.
1: Thanks, man. You bet. Thanks.